there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. Football is back in full swing with another epic week of games. Who's got you covered in the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code MANIX, that's M-A-N-N-I-X, to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Maddox. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dknj.com slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. We're coming to you live on AMP. AMP, of course, is where you go to get this podcast first. First, subscribe to the Volume on AMP and subscribe to my feed on AMP as well. And look who is back, gracing us with his presence once again, the former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster, and... A guy who is never in a good mood unless he's on the road. Unless he's road. getting paid. Unless he's getting paid. That's it. That's the only thing. Amp Sports, Volume Sports, Chris Manis gets paid. But the Mexican does all these favors for nothing, huh? Is this what he's doing it's here not, on this podcast? No. Not, I need to start getting paid, Chris Manix. Get paid well. The Latin snake needs to feed his children. <laughs> Latin snake does fine. And it's not about you being Mexican, okay? You do just fine. Chicano. Chicano, Chicano, there you go. All right, we've got a lot to get into here, Sergio. I want to talk about the Tyson Fury-Francis Ngannou press conference from this past week. Frank Martin, Shakur Stevenson, that fight collapsed. There's accusations of ducking. And I've got a little bit of news to talk about, Sergio, involving Manny Pacquiao that I want to get your take on. So let's begin with the fury Nagano presser from last week. Tyson Fury and Francis Nagano meeting face-to-face in London in advance of their October 28th fight. Uh, Fury was Fury. 
He was talking a lot of trash. Naganu, a little bit more soft-spoken, but he had some moments at that presser as well. Sergio, this is a, a fight that every time there's a media event around it, it brings out the criticism, right? The, the boxing purists hate it. Uh, they think Fury's doing a disservice to boxing. They think he should be stripped of his title. Uh, it really gets a lot of negative reaction. Uh, how do you feel about Fury Nagano? Do you have a problem with Tyson Fury taking this fight? I gave up trying to convince people like you because at first it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And then you realize, oh, well, they're doing okay numbers and they're selling pay-per-views and they're bringing new eyeballs to the sport. Oh, they're, they're, they're bringing in uh, female fighters and getting them paid more than they used to. It's bad for the sport overall. I started with this with Logan Paul and Jake Paul, and then all of a sudden you put them, you put them on the cover of Sports Illustrated, so I can't say nothing anymore. Um, they are who they are, but they're the ones that started this. And now everyone's following along. You can't blame fighters like Tyson Fury, who gave us one of the greatest trilogies in heavyweight history since Bowen uh, Holyfield. Um, I can't hate on boxers making money, especially when they're in their mid-30s. I mean, Fury's, what, 35, and Ganu, to this day, one of the greatest MMA fighters in that sport, and he's not going to get paid nowhere near what he's going to make now at 37 years old. So I can't hate on that either. They spilled blood. They 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 already went through all the pain. Let them get paid now. I'm not going to hate. Is it is it taking two steps back for the purity of, of, of the sweet science? Absolutely. We need and want an undisputed heavyweight champion. But whenever fights like these keep getting bought, and purchased by fans, not only in MMA and boxing and, and everyone else, the casuals, we're not going to get it, Maddox, thanks to you, the casuals, and all the new uh, all the new people buying these things. I'm glad it's thanks to me that it's my fault that events like Tyson hey, Fury, Francis you, you, you you're, you're senior editor, writer in what used to be the most prestigious sports magazine in sports. <laughs> not anymore. You put... A YouTube guy on the front cover. Thanks to you, Mannix. It wasn't, okay, it wasn't thanks to me. I did write the story, but it wasn't thanks to me. And it was an issue about the most powerful people in sports. And yes, Jake Paul qualifies as one of the most powerful people in sports. My opinion, Sergio, on the Fury Nagano fight is I don't care. I really don't care. I think it's kind of goofy. I think Francis Nagano has a 0.0% chance to win. All during that Minus press zero. conference, fine. All, but all during that press conference, I'm listening to people like Bob Arum, who know better, and people like Frank Warren, who knows better, uh, say that Nagano is dangerous. I saw a quote from Bob Arum saying Nagano is as dangerous as Deontay Wilder. Nonsense. If Tyson Fury stands in front of Francis Nagano and lets him line him up and hit him with the right hand, yeah, that could be a problem for Tyson Fury. But he's not going to do that. He's going to jab him. He's going to move his head. He's going to stay out of the way of that right hand, which, by the way, is thrown with methodical speed. Like, if Deontay Wilder's right hand is a Ferrari, uh, Francis Ngannou's right hand is like a Volkswagen. Like, it just doesn't get delivered with the same type of quick trigger that Deontay Wilder said. So, he has no chance. But I also think that the critics of this fight, specifically former boxers, some like yourself, I think the critics are just full of it, right? Because all these critics, if they were offered the exact same deal as Tyson Fury, they would take it. If Anthony Joshua was offered the exact same deal, he would take it. If Deontay Wilder was offered the exact same deal, he would take it. I saw Tony Bellew call the fight a joke. Tony Bellew would take it. The reason I know this, Sergio, is because as much shit as you talk about Jake Paul, if and when you are offered the chance to fight Jake Paul, you are going to take it. Why? Because there's a ton of money in that type of fight. So I think the Fury Nagano fight is goofy, but I think the criticism is disingenuous at best. Here's the difference, Mannix. You just named two former champions that are now retired, two guys that are, you know, would love a free paycheck at the end of their career. And you just named the, the heavyweight champion of the world, the man that should be fighting are all comers, the man that should be undisputed or fighting for undisputed and uh, proving that he's the number one man on the planet as far as boxing goes. And no, instead we're getting Francis Ngannou, someone that, that stands no chance inside a boxing ring. Zero chance, minus zero chance. But it's eyeballs to the sport, like you like to say. And people are going to buy it. 
people are going to watch. I'm going to watch. I'm going to, I'm, I'm certainly interested in seeing another boxer, another professional boxer knock the lights out of another MMA fighter. Yeah. Bring it on. But it, it's only putting real boxing on the back burner and, and delaying what right, we hold should on. Let's, be let's getting. That's the biggest let's, fight in boxing. Let's address that. You, you say it's putting real boxing on the back burner. Uh, the fight everybody wants to see is Tyson Fury against Alexander Usyk. Uh, they negotiated that fight in the spring. It didn't come together for whatever reason, so it wasn't going to happen in the fall of 2023. Uh, the other fight, I'd be interested in seeing is Fury versus Anthony Joshua, but Joshua made it pretty clear early on that if a Fury fight was to happen, it wasn't going to happen until 2024. So the question then becomes, should Tyson Fury take an easy payday against Francis Ngannou, or do you really care? Seriously, do you really care about Tyson Fury against Philip Hergovich? Or do you really care about Tyson Fury against Andy Ruiz? Because I don't. None of the, neither of those fights do anything for me. They have the same appeal as Derek Chisora and Dillian White and any of the other second-tier heavyweights that Tyson Fury could have fought. I want to see Fury Usyk. I want to see Fury Joshua. If I'm not seeing that, I really don't give a damn who Tyson Fury fights next. Maybe not Andy Ruiz, because I like to see Andy Ruiz win another Andy fighter. Ruiz than he thinks he's himself. worth like $20 million. Like Andy well, Ruiz has not. priced himself out of every well, well, he's fight he's been rumored to be in. Yeah, it's lunacy. And that's, that's what happens whenever you uh, hit the jackpot. You think you're going to hit it again. That's not the case. Uh, but as far as Philip Ergovich, that's the number one contender. Of course he deserves a chance. Yes, that's the fight that needs to happen. Because when you're the heavyweight champion or any champion that holds all the belts or holds the belts, you need to fight your mandatory contenders. Philip Bergovich already did what he had to do. Why is it his fault that he's going to be fighting another guy for $10 million that's not even a professional fighter? That's where the slap in the face comes, not only to the sport, but to this mandatory that's already bled and, and earned this right to, to, to get a crack at the crown. Not fair. He's going to get a crack at some point. He's the mandatory challenger. When? When? Anything could happen. Like you said, he could slip on a banana peel. He can get injured. You know? These okay, are once but, in a lifetime opportunities. So whenever Tyson they're there... Okay, but Tyson Fury is not obligated to fight uh, Philip Hergovich. Philip Hergovich is the IBF mandatory. That means Alexander Usyk is obligated to fight him. Tyson Fury doesn't have to fight anybody. In fact, if the WBC wanted to put Tyson Fury in a real fight, they could have named him mandatory. They could have said, look, Hergovich is now our mandatory. Somebody else, Martin Bacoli, is our mandatory. There was no mandatory for Tyson Fury to fight. Sergio, he is getting paid probably north, well north, of $20 million to fight Francis Ngannou, a guy, I repeat, has no chance of beating him. None whatsoever. You would take it. Joshua would take it. Wilder would take it. Anyone with an IQ over three would take that fight. No question about it. Anybody would take it. Even the greatest boxers in the world. Muhammad Ali fought football players and hockey players. Floyd Mayweather fought YouTube guys. It's going to happen all Pacquiao, every karate kickboxers it's going to happen all the time so great because they're going to make money off their legacy their name after after they're done boxing real fighters and they beat up beat up on fighters that can't can't box and that's what's going to happen here with tyson fury it's easy money 20 million for the easiest fight he'll ever have please all right so you know but you know what where we will agree where we find some common ground is you know fury at this press conference he was saying i don't want to fight Usyk. uh i want to fight john jones i want to fight other crossover type of fights if that's the case take his title away from him. Like, I I'm giving him this one because there are no other realistic options out there for him. But the second this fight between Fury and Naganu is over, I want negotiations for Fury Usyk to recommence. They almost got over the finish line a few months ago. They should be able to get over the finish line now. So where we can agree is if he wants to keep being this kind of circus act and only fight crossover fights, you can do that. But you cannot be the heavyweight champion uh, in the process. All right. Let's talk about a fight that is not going to happen in November as planned. Shakur Stevenson and Frank Martin, two of the top 135 pounders in all of boxing, they were set to meet on November 16th on a top rank on ESPN card because top rank and PBC found a way to make a deal for these two undefeated fighters to face each other. Then this week, shockingly, Frank Martin elected not to take the fight, pulled out. That fight is dead. Shakur Stevens is going to move on to somebody else. Shakur Sergio has been very active on social media saying Frank Martin is ducking. Do you believe that Frank Martin has ducked Shakur Stevenson? 
if you're Shakur Stevenson or or anyone in his camp or any fan that wants the best fight and the best, yes, he's ducking. But if you're a professional boxer, if you've done this all your life, and and if you know that that you're fighting a guy that's one of the most devoted fighters in the world, champion uh, in two divisions, you probably want to make sure all your ducks are in order. Oh, you can call me a duck all you want. You can call me a duck all you want, but at 18 fights, 18 professional fights, and you haven't really fought one champion, one former champion even? No, you're not ready for one of the best young fighters in the world. Probably uh, pound for pound. I don't know if you have him in your top 10, but he probably is either 10 or right outside of it. Shakur Stevenson is a beast. You know, he's one of these guys that you don't want to face unless you have to. Frank Morton doesn't have to. Of course, if he wants to become try to become champion, yeah, take the fight. But if he has a bad loss, he's going to take two or three steps back when he can, uh, he can easily fought for a, for a vacated title that Devin Haney might uh, uh, release once he uh, lets go of those belts or, or fight Tank Davis. I mean, that's a fight that's within the stable, that PBC stable. Uh, Tank Davis is going to come back. He's going to want a, a, a fight. Frank Martin is one of those perfect style matchups. Power puncher versus another power puncher, Southpaw versus Southpaw, PBC. Makes sense in the world. So there must be something brewing that we're not watching. So Duck, no. What you're saying is fine, but this is about as crystal clear a case of a duck as I've seen in a while. Um, if Frank Martin didn't want the fight, shouldn't have agreed to it. Shouldn't have had his representatives agree to it. This isn't a case of a fighter deciding when a fight is ordered to pull out of negotiations. This is a case of a deal was struck. Tom Brown of TGB, representing Frank Martin, made a deal with Top Rank. This was a done deal. You know, Frank Martin was going to get paid $1.5 million or in that neighborhood. That's real money for a guy that's only made a couple hundred grand over the course of his career. And if you're Frank Martin and you've been talking the talk for the better part of the last few months, saying, nobody wants to fight me, I'll take on anybody. He even said something, I saw Shakur tweeted out a, a video where Frank said, sometimes you got to go into the fight as an underdog to prove yourself. All that talk, and then this, this is where we're at with uh, you know him pulling out at the 11th hour. And meanwhile, Sergio, as we record this Tuesday night, still no reason given by Frank Martin. He's popped on Twitter a couple of times to say, I didn't duck anybody with no explanation. And to say that I did not insist on a 50-50 split, which Shakur intimated in a tweet uh, recently. So I don't know what else to believe here. If, if you don't want the fight, don't sign off on the deal that your promoter made. Like this deal was scuttled at the 11th hour after Top Rank sent the contract. So I just don't, I don't know how you can look at it any other way. Frank Martin wanted the fight and then maybe got some cold feet as far as taking the fight. I don't like casuals calling fighters bums. I don't like casuals calling, you know, uh, fighter, fighters like Frank Martin that they're ducking people. I hey, don't, don't, like don't say words. it's casual Cowards. though, Sergio. This is Shakur saying this. Shakur saying that just, he's a duck. You got to pick the right word, man. I mean, you got to pick Shakur the right word. Shakur said it, Sergio. It seems like he's running away. Yeah, well, Shakur can get away with that and good for him. He's a champ and he can say that. But if you want me to to validate that, no, I just think maybe there's something that we don't know. Other you fighters are saying it. Teofimo said it. You know, I mean, other fighters are saying hey, listen, it too. man, and you got to give credit to fighters like uh, Stevenson and uh, uh, Teofimo who have fought the best and they put their money with their mouth is. And that's why they're, they're two of the most young, young and talented fighters getting paid right now. Good for them. And if Frank Barn wants to be on that same level, he's going to have to start taking chances just like them too. This is a bad look. I'm not going to lie. Cold feet, maybe, but a duck. That's that's going a little bit too far for a fighter. Eighteen there, and zero, you're, you're, split, you're splitting hairs though, saying it's not a duck, but it's I cold always feet. do. Like, it, I, mean, I, always I think you're still talking. You're still baby. dancing around it. You're still dancing around it. And you're still talking about the exact same thing. Frank Martin, by the way, not some prospect. Frank Martin is 28, so he is now in the prime of his career yeah, and should not be. He should mm -hmm. not be, you know, moving away from world title opportunities. Sergio, let, let's just assume for the sake of argument, that Devin Haney is not going back to 135. I think we both agree he's probably not going to be fighting at 135 mm. ever again. He is no longer the WBC champ. That's why this title is on the line. The WBO title, if it vacates, Frank Martin is not in the position to fight as a mandatory for that belt. The IBF title, Frank Martin is not in the position to fight for the IBF title. Yes, he could fight Gervonta Davis. And if Martin signs to fight Gervonta Davis in December, January, then... We apologize. There you go. I apologize. But I, don't I think hope that, you apologize. I don't think that's going to be the case, Sergio. I think Javante uh, Davis is most likely going to fight Isak Cruz in his next fight. So 
if Frank Martin passes on this fight and then takes a much lesser fight, either before the end of this year or early next year, what is that? Like, why would you pass on an opportunity? Even if you lose, like, this is a great opportunity for you to win a world title and make good money in the process. Well, why don't we wait until that decision gets made and we know his next opponent? Either you're going to be apologizing or I'm going to call him a duck. All right, so you're going to call him a duck then. Okay, fine. If he doesn't fight Tank Davis, I'll even quack for you. You're going to call him a duck. All right. A uh, couple things I want to talk about that have been uh, in the news or around the news over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Freddie Roach is now going to be training Jaime Munguia. For his last uh, half dozen or so fights, Jaime Munguia has been trained by Eric Morales. Uh, Jaime has been in wildcard working with Freddie Roach. I've been told that he is going to move to Southern California to continue that training as he prepares for his next fight, whenever uh, that may be. Uh, what do you make of this, Sergio? Jaime Munguia's decision to move on from Eric Morales and work with Freddie Roach. Anytime, and I tell you this all the time, anytime a fighter moves from trainer to trainer to trainer, he needs to, he's having issues with himself. He's having issues with his own confidence. He's having a problem finding his identity, his boxing style. There's a lot of things going on with his personal self. It has nothing to do with the outer, you know, what the problems with trainer. He's undefeated. Jaime Munguia is an undefeated former champion. Usually when you're going bouncing from trainer to trainers because you lose or you get uh, knocked out or you lose badly. That's not the quick case with Jaime Munguia. He was having success with his day one trainer. Then he moved to the great Eric Morales. I didn't say nothing because maybe it was time for that transition. Dude, he's undefeated with Eric Morales. And I could see that he was starting to jab more. He was moving his head more. He would he would resort back to what he normally is. And that's face first, you know, uh, take two punches to land one. But that's Mexican style. That fight with Derek Fenjenko is maybe the fight of the year. One of the one of the candidates fight of the year. Incredible fight. But it's it's that's not the fight that you're gonna have to uh, uh be faced fighting to be facing some of these champions at 160 and 168. So I like the fact that he's going to a great legendary fighter, I mean trainer like uh, Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach, the people, the reason people go to Freddie Roach is because not only does he have the resume, but he has the gym. Wildcard has some of the best sparring in the world. So you're not going to get, you're going to get quality sparring and you're not going to get a day to rest. That's the reason Chavez Jr. couldn't hang with Freddie Roach because Freddie Roach puts you through the mill. He works you hard. He has a team of co-trainers and, 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 and strength trainers that are going to push you through the, to the limits. They run the hills, the mountains, uh, up in Hollywood. This is hard work and not a lot of fighters are cut for it. Jaime Munguia is going to figure that out soon because if he didn't work hard before and it was just natural talent and raw ability, that's going to be put aside. Now it's going to be hard work and hard sparring at wild, wild card gym and under the tutelage of the great Freddie Roach. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Your head. <laughs> hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I think Eric Morales had a positive impact on Jaime Munguia. I thought he became mm-hmm. a better offensive fighter under Eric Morales. I thought his combinations became sharper. He started to throw like eight, ten punch combinations. I just thought he became a really strong offensive fighter under Eric Morales. Uh, Morales didn't do anything for his defense. He is as vulnerable defensively as any former champion slash top contender is out there. And we know that, Sergio, because in the fifth round of his fight against a long-since-washed-up Sergey Dervinchenko, he almost got knocked out. And I wonder if that was a moment for Jaime Munguia when he realized, maybe I need to do something different. Because right now, we're talking about Jaime Munguia finally getting those big fights, whether it's Edgar Berlanga, Jamal Charlo, you know, Canelo Alvarez down the line. He's got to know that he can't be all offense, no defense, uh, against those guys. And, you know, in talking to people, you know, uh, around Munguia, like that, that's what's, you know, kind of the, the what's been being worked on and what's being talked about in his inner circle. Like, how do we get better defensively? How can we improve in that facet of the game? We already know he's going to be a great offensive fighter. He's powerful. Uh, he's, he's active. He's fast. But he's got to get sharper on that. He's got to have more head movement. He's got to, you know, parry more punches, block more punches, do a whole bunch of different stuff in order to compete at the highest of level. And can Freddie Roach bring that out of him? We'll see. I mean, Freddie is, himself was known kind of as an offensive trainer, but he's been around the block many times. He's had success taking on guys at different stages of their career. Uh, I think this makes sense. I think it's a good move for Jaime Munguia. Well, I mean, look, I don't. Because Freddie Roach's offense is his defense. All his fighters have been that way, from Manny Pacquiao to anyone else that's trained with Freddie Roach. Munguia just needs defense. So if he wanted that, he should have gone to a defensive uh, trainer. Buddy McGirt would have been one of them. Uh, I mean, yeah, but do you greatest, really want to change him that much, George Sergio? Benson. I mean, do, do you, I mean really you need change? defensive. You need defensive. No, I don't want to change him. That's why I said, why leave Eric Morales? Why leave his day one? You know, those are the two you should have stuck with. I mean, he's undefeated. He became champion, making millions of dollars. Why leave? All of a sudden, you got to change your heart because you want to start moving your feet and moving your head. That's not how you became you know, the top, the top dog in, in, in the sport, you know, you are who you are. When you try to change that, you're just going to confuse yourself. He's not going to be Pernell Whitaker, no matter how much you try. That's not in his DNA. He has that Mexican style and he's going to have to, you know, he has, he has to live by that sword and he has, he has to go by down by that sword. That's the way it's going to be. He's going to eat two to land one. But that one is going to be a hard one. Yeah, but he, he's not really a one punch knockout guy. He's a volume punching knockout yeah, guy. I get and, it. I get uh, look, it. And I, that's I, the reason that's the reason Golden Boy has been matchmaking them matchmaking very, very carefully. That's what they do with fighters that are susceptible. You know, you gotta drain as much as you can out of them, you know, and, and make as much money as you can, knowing that they're vulnerable. Jaime Mugia is just one of these vulnerable fighters. I mean, but He's eventually going to get those big fights. He's still in his. And he's eventually going to get knocked out. I agree with that. I mean, I think that's look. I just think as much as I thought there were positives with his time with Eric Morales, I just think it plateaued. I think he had gotten everything out of him and needs something different if he's going to have a chance to live up to his potential. Because the, the fighter I saw against Derevchenko, that guy gets knocked out when he gets to that next level. I mean, Derevchenko. Good fighter, take nothing away from him. That was one of the fights of the year, maybe the fight of the year. But Dervinchenko is a 160-pounder who is at the back end of his career. He's been through wars, and he almost got Jaime Mungi out of there. Almost beat him on points. Yeah. Like you, you need, If you fight like that, I can understand why Mungia would think he needs something different. And maybe Freddie Roach, change of scenery, different type of training, different type of sparring. Maybe he gets something more out of that experience, especially if we're talking about Berlanga in his next fight. You know, he wants to fight David Benavidez. That would be a bad oh. idea right now, a really bad idea. That hurts I'm me hearing, uh, it. hearing that. So I, I, think it's, I think it's a good move to, to move to Berlanga's the way to go. Berlanga's I mean, I think, just going to be the way to go. Another fighter that's not on the championship level, but it's going to 
it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and, and look, I, I don't want to. We, we've talked about this in the past, but you know, Jaime Munguia needs a big fight. Jaime Munguia needs Edgar Berlanga. Edgar Berlanga might need Jaime Munguia more. You know, we've more. heard and read reports mm -hmm. that you know Berlanga is negotiating this deal with Munguia. He's going to meet with Eddie Hearn in the next couple of weeks in Florida to discuss about it. Uh, Jaime, uh, sorry, Edgar Berlanga has to find a way to say yes. Edgar Berlanga has yeah. to find a way to get this deal done because, look, Berlanga is ranked, I think, in the top five in all four major sanctioning bodies. He's right there. He's a contender, undefeated, yeah. but has fought nobody. And his last fight against Jason Quigley, I mean, Quigley was, might be the best opponent of his career, and that's, that's not good yeah. if, you're, if you're Edgar Berlanga. Edgar Berlanga, to me, and needs Quigley to find a way to, to, to say yes. And Quigley had some moments. I mean, uh, Berlanga was... We're not doing the Quigley stuff. Berlanga yet. wasn't the beast that, that, that everyone thought. So now Berlanga has to prove once again that he is a beast. And he does it against a former champion and a fighter like uh, Munguia or a Munguia type. But we're going to have to, we're have to uh, uh, see that beast again. You, you thought Quigley won 118-110. So I, I... I didn't think Quigley won. He just surprised everybody, <laughs> no, including Berlanga. No, he didn't. All right. Um, you know, another piece of intel I picked up over the last, you know, couple of weeks was, you know, Manny Pacquiao. And, you know, you know, I've done some reporting on Pacquiao talking about going into the Olympics and trying to win a gold medal uh, in 2024. Uh, there's been some reporting about Pacquiao fighting another exhibition against a kickboxer. Uh, one thing I heard over the last few days is that Pacquiao right now is actively looking for another professional fight. He's 44 years old. He has not fought since losing to Yordanis Ugas a couple of years ago. Uh, but I've been told that he wants back in in a professional fight. And the guy I've been told that he's looking at is Errol Spence Jr. Pacquiao, as you know, was at the Spence Crawford fight. And Pacquiao at that fight was telling people that he believes his style matches up well with Spence. He believes, even at this stage of his career, that he can beat Spence. Um, Spence, of course, has reportedly activated his rematch clause with Terrence Crawford. But if you think about it, Sergio, if Pacquiao really is going to come back, fighting Errol Spence is not the dumbest idea in the world, especially if the fight takes place at 154 pounds. The kind of fight that I think Pacquiao could lose and probably would lose, but not one at this point where he would get badly hurt. What do you think of the idea of Pacquiao returning to fight Errol Spence? I don't like fighters returning, great fighters. I mean, all-time great fighters uh, going back to the well for another chance at greatness. I mean, we have, we've already seen uh, Pacquiao get viciously knocked out. This is a man, a legend, an eighth-division champion that has over 70 fights. He's already given, you know, three careers, you know, to everybody. What, what more can he give the sport? What more can fans expect? from him no i don't want to see him come back even though it will be a calculated risk against a, a a fighter like spence who is you know in the eyes of many damaged goods he just got that beat down from crawford i mean he had that that brutal car accident you know the inactivity in the past yeah in the past you would say that's actually a decent idea you know and spence is not a, a mover you know he has he has trouble with fighters that move laterally a little bit pinning them down I would, I used, I would say it was a good idea in the past. Not anymore. Not at this stage. Not when you, when you already have political ambitions, you know, you, you're raising a family. You're trying to, you have aspirations to do other stuff, not to train, not to fight hard, not to, not to, 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 to go back and, and, and revisit, you know, it's delusional, man. It's delusional. I don't like the idea at all. You know, the, the biggest obstacle, or at least one of the biggest obstacles in making a fight like this happen is that there, isn't any money out there for it. I mean, both these guys are used to making pretty healthy purses and I don't see any outlet network promoter out there willing to guarantee them the kind of money that they're used to getting or they would expect to get to fight each other. But if there was, I'll put it to you this way. I'd probably be more interested at this point in seeing Pacquiao Spence than I am Crawford Spence because I'm of the belief that Crawford Spence too goes a lot like Crawford Spence one or worse. I don't think an extra seven pounds is going to help Errol Spence all that much. In fact, you can certainly argue it'll probably help Terrence Crawford just as much. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I, I think Spence is a diminished version of the fighter we saw kind of rolling through the welterweight division before his, his car accident. Uh, a, a greatly diminished Pacquiao versus a diminished Spence, 
I think it's more competitive, frankly. What, what do you, and what do you get out of that? I mean, oh, yeah, not every fight needs to be a super fight. You're a sadist, man. I mean, if that's the word, would you in, you indulge in the punishment of might others? Is strong. that the word? It might be a bit strong. Is that the word? Because, yeah, I mean, what do you get out of a fighter that's given everything to the sport in Pacquiao and someone who just got brutally beaten down like Spence? Oh, well, let them both beat the rest beat, beat the rest of the pulp out of each other? No, man. That, that's how people get seriously hurt. And it happens to the greatest, man. The greatest die the hardest. Muhammad Ali, way past his prime. You know, after the Frazier fight, continued fighting. Sugar Ray Leonard continued coming back, got beat down by Camacho, by Terry Norris. It happened, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, comes back, gets beaten down by Pacquiao. Happens to the greatest, man, because they won't, they won't learn until it finally, the nail hits the cop. And that's what made them great. The fact that they thought they can always, you know, continue fighting, continue beating the best, the best, the best. That's what makes them great, but not anymore. Not when you've already been stopped. That's not when you've already been, you know, to, to the top many times. You you defied odds, but you can't continue doing that. That's when you get hurt. I don't yeah, look, I, I'm kind of with you on on Pacquiao coming back. I, I don't need to see it. He, he's never going to be able to compete at the highest level ever again. Um, certainly not at 154 and above. But if you're Errol Spence and that fight is even close to realistic, if that's really something that that is being brought to your attention, I, I would jump on that. I would, because if you're Spence, the chance to fight Pacquiao and make a bunch of money and maybe regain some of your confidence uh, as a fighter, I think this, there's a lot of value in that. Maybe a lot more value, certainly, than him going up and fighting some, you know, top 15, top 20 contender just to get a win under his belt. You get a win over Manny Pacquiao, not only do you get some of your confidence back, but you also get a big payday out of it. Maybe not as big as you're scheduled to get against Crawford, although... I'd argue that the pay-per-view sales for Spence Crawford 2 won't touch Spence Crawford 1. Uh, but, you know, you, you get a pretty healthy payday to fight a guy that you should beat. A 44-year-old version of Manny Pacquiao would be an underdog against even this version of Errol Spence. So if I'm Errol Spence, Sergio, I, I would, if this is something that my advisors bring to me, I might consider reversing my decision on fighting Crawford right away and fighting Manny Pacquiao. Of course you do. You said the word value. Uh, in the words of Oscar Wilde, critics like yourself, Chris Mannix, know the value of everything and the cost of nothing. I mean, this is going to cost him blood. It's going to cost him years of his life, cost, you know, of his, of his health. One fight can do that, man. One fight can change everything around. I know it sounds dramatic, but we've seen it happen all the time. You know, after that beatdown, to come back with a great fighter like a like Pacquiao, I'm not saying things are going to go back with Spence, but how many times are you going to go through pain? I mean, look at that horrific car accident they went through. That probably, you know, that is actually what beat him down worse than Crawford. But, you know, let's not take anything away from Bud, you know, but... You know, you can't go through that. You can't put your body through that. And then to come back and, and try to do it again against one of the greatest fighters of our generation, you're, you're just, you're asking for trouble. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to take part of it. And, and sadly, it's, it's a lot of people like yourself that are interested. Masochist. That's another word. I love when you quote Oscar Wilde. You rarely get the quote right, and it never makes much sense. So I, I do appreciate when you, you do that. Um, Regis Prograde, Devin Haney. Uh, this is a fight that I think over the next couple of days is going to be made official. There's been a lot of reporting around it's supposed to take place in the Bay Area in early December. It'll be Haney's first fight at 140 pounds. It will be a title defense for Regis Progre, who's coming off a pretty lackluster fight in his last time out, which Sergio may be the reason that Haney Progre is taking place right away. We saw Regis Progre against Zaria just kind of sleepwalk through that fight a lot of problems with the movement of Danielito Zaria uh, in that fight you know and Bill Haney was sitting there ringside watching the father and trainer of Devin Haney and this fight seems like it's on the cusp of being made official uh do you think going into this fight that Devin Haney who has been a career-long 135 is he underestimating Regis Progre uh by taking this fight I hope not I hope he's not underestimating him because Regis Progre is one of the best fighters at 140. And if you're going off his last performance against a, a tricky fighter, a boxer that didn't really want to engage in Zoria, and not only that, you did it in your hometown. I'm a big proponent of the hometown curse. You know, it, I hated it. Every other fighter, it just doesn't work. Look at what happened to Katie Taylor in, in the much-awaited hometown return of, of, of the legend. I don't like it. Too much responsibility, too many commitments, and it happened to... Uh, Progre as well, but 
as far as Haney goes, that's that's the best fight you can make at, make at 140. So uh, if it happens at 135 or 140, I would love to see it. Uh, I think Pro Gray is one of the best fighters in both divisions, and and you know he just needs an opportunity at one of these big names, one of these big you know uh, um, opportunities at one 140. I mean he's a champion there again, right? Yeah. He's a two-time champion at 140. There you go. So Haney move up to 140 and, and a crack at at Rugaru's belt makes all the sense. Look, I give Haney a ton of credit for doing it. I mean, Devin Haney is quietly yeah, putting together absolutely. one of the best resumes in boxing. Go back to what, quietly. 2019. Well, I mean, quietly because nobody, we're not, we, we talk more about Canelo's resume and Usyk's resume and now Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford's resume. I don't think enough people talk about Devin Haney's resume and what he's put together. Right. I mean, when it was, you know, the fights he had against uh, Jorge Linares and then he beat Jojo Diaz when Jojo was kind of peaking at that time. He goes to Australia and beats Cambosis twice in his backyard then in his first defense of all those titles or his first defense outside of Cambosis, he fights Vasily Lomachenko. I mean, this guy is is talking Crazy. the talk and walking the walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think he's got to be careful with Regis Progray because I agree with you. I don't think that Progray's performance against Zaria is indicative of the kind of fighter that he is. I, I don't, I know you believe in the hometown curse. I don't. I, I think that's an excuse that some guys make. I mean, I think... Progray made it. Jared Anderson made it. Uh, you, you bring up Katie Taylor. Like, I think Katie Taylor's bigger problem was Chantel Cameron was bigger, stronger, and, you know, maybe a little bit more skilled at this stage, especially at 140, than Katie Taylor was. I think the hometown stuff is a bit overrated. But I do think that Progray had problems with the movement of Zaria. And that lends me, makes me believe that Team Haney believes that their movement is going to cause problems. Now, Haney's not going to run in the same way Zaria did, but he's going to stick and move. He's not going to engage. He's not going to let the more natural 140 just blast away at him. And that's something that Progray is going to have to figure out. But this is an incredibly dangerous fight. I would, I, I believe that Progray is the top guy at 140. I mean, Teofimo Lopez has got a belt and he had a great performance against Josh Taylor, but he has one fight at 140. Yeah, Regis Progray is a multi-time champion at 140 pounds. This has been his weight class for a number of years. He, to me, is the best guy at 140 pounds. And for Haney to move up and fight the very best guy, I'm impressed by that. I really am. I just hope he's not looking at that Progray performance and saying, well, that's who Regis Progray is. The guy Regis Progray is, is the guy we saw uh, go narrowly lose over in Wales to a prime Josh Taylor, a guy we saw flatten Jose Zapata in uh, in a title fight. So I, I think that he's got to be real careful engaging with Regis Progre because if you trade with Regis Progre, Regis is going to knock you out. And Devin Haney's too smart for that, and that's the reason he's building a quiet, great resume. And and uh, I, I don't see him overlooking a fighter like like Progre at all. You know, Haney Haney takes takes these uh these challenges upon himself to shut a lot of people up and that's what i mean by quietly uh, uh being great you know he's not doing it you know he's not doing it loud he's not you know he's not talking a lot of shit he's not going after you know a, a social media guy he's not doing all that he's doing it he's doing it the way it's supposed to be inside the ring and he's doing it with respect as well you know he does all his talking in the ring he even goes up across the world to australia like you said you know how hard is it for a world champion to do that you know, normally it's like, no, you come to me. No, he's going to the fire. Not only that, a lot of fighters use uh, the promotional or network obligations as as an excuse. Oh, well, I can't cross the street. Not Devin Haney. He said it. Mr. Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Promotions, you have done great by me, but let me just go see what's on cross the street. I might be back. You've treated me well. Same thing Canelo did. These are fighters. These are great champions that have taken the bull by the horns and become their own businessmen. And as a fight fan, you got to respect that. And I, I got to respect that myself. Everyone I, does. I couldn't agree more about, uh, you know, fighters having control of their careers because whenever fighters do it, it tends to work out pretty well for them. I mean, Miguel mm-hmm. Cotto did it and he had a lot of success and made a lot of money. Currently, Canelo Alvarez is doing it. Devin Haney, you know, fights the first stage of his career, or at least the high-profile stage under Eddie Hearn, makes a lot of money, goes over to top rank, makes even more money, gets some legacy-defining fights, and now he's back working with Eddie for uh, his first foray into 140 pounds. I think more fighters should do it. I don't understand why guys just align themselves with one promoter, one advisor, one match, whatever it may be. I never really... I don't whenever, really you, whenever you get that... Whenever you get that great name, uh, you're allowed to do that. Pacquiao did it. You know, that's another one. Floyd Mayweather did it. You know, yeah. they, they, yeah, they, you they get already to a built certain stage, the resume. Right. Although, I mean, right. Devin Haney, though, didn't 
ha- didn't have a resume at the time. I mean, Devin Haney's still one of the younger, you know, champions that are out there. So, you know, he, he did it at a little earlier stage than some of these other guys. Most of the other guys that do it, they're over the age of 30. Devin Haney's been doing it in his 20s, which I think is not unique, but it's certainly uh, rare for him. So I, I hope that fight gets finalized. I think it's going to be great. Supposedly going to take place in San Francisco sometime early December. That is going to be a must-watch if that fight uh, comes together. Last thing for you, Sergio. We've got a good fight over on DAZN this weekend. you got William Zapeda against Bercito Hesta. You and I, I think, both agree that Zapeda probably going to win this fight one way or the other. But Zapeda, he's really come on over the last couple of years. You know, beating some quality guys, doing it with you know, record-setting punch output. He is just a machine. You saw that with his win over Jojo Diaz. I think you're going to see it again with Mercito Hesta. Um, we're at the point where we're going to start talking about William Zapata in bigger fights against the likes of Shakur Stevenson or Frank Martin or any of the other top guys at 135 pounds. How do you think he matches up with those guys? Do you think that Zapata right now, 28 wins, no losses, 24 wins by knockout, is he on that level? Is he on that Shakur, even Frank Martin, Keyshawn Davis, all the guys that are up and coming at 135? Is William Zapata, in your mind, on that level? Yeah, he's on that level. I, I mean, he's he's probably not the favorite to win against all the names you just mentioned, maybe against Frank Martin because of the experience factor, but against everyone else, the, he's, you know, he's a smaller fighter. You know, they're going to have the reach on him. They're going to have the speed on him. He's going to have the power, but, you know, power is the... the the least factor in winning these fights. Um, I think they're they're moving Zapata perfectly at Golden Boy. They're matching him up to 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 have a big fight, not necessarily to win, but that's what that's what promoters do. That's what, especially fight uh, promoters like Golden Boy Promotions. They really prime a fighter, get him to that red hot position where he's selling tickets. Then they put him up against another fighter. They don't protect him. They do not protect him. They sink or swim. And guess what? If if you walk the walk and you win, you become a star. If you come up short, it's okay. We're going to give you more fights. We're going to get you right back to that championship. That's what promoters, that's what great promoters do. And that's, that's what fighters like, like, uh, Mercito Hesta, who hasn't been to the championship level, but what? He has 35, 38 fights. Yeah, he's, he's, he's he fought has twice three, for lost, world three titles. losses. Yeah. Three losses, three draws. But what happened? They keep bringing him back because he, oh, he's he earned gives his way fans back. good I mean, fights. Beat exactly. Jojo. That was a quality win for him. Yeah, but he's always in there. He always gives good fights. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. whenever you give, whenever you give uh, as much as as you can give, and he doesn't get knocked out either. So it's not like he's you know he, he's he's cannon fodder like you like to say to all these champions. Not, no, he gives them good fights. He not, gives them good fights, and he right. tests them. So Zapata, Zapata's going to be fighting a guy that's going to give him a good fight. And another southpaw lefties hate fighting lefties, and I think for the first half of that fight is going to be a very. Uh, probably physical violent fight and i if if it goes past six rounds then zepeda is going to have the upper hand because that's when age and uh the the, the physical toll of all these fights that hesta has will take a toll on him and a catch up but other than that i think zepeda is going to have his hands full for four or five rounds yeah i think zepeda is right up there i mean you don't get to 28 no you know for no reason and i've been a fan of zepeda really ever since i first saw him fighting on nbc sports network when he's part of that Fight Night series, yeah. uh, Ring City series, I should say. And, you know, watching him beat Hector Tanahara, watching him overwhelm Jojo Diaz, watching him beat Rene Alvarado. Uh, you can tell there's something there. Um, I do think he's vulnerable against punchers. Um, we've seen Zapata get knocked down before. We've seen him hurt before. He just is so determined to throw as many shots as possible that sometimes he leaves himself open for good counter shots. And, like, let's say he fights a Shakur Stevenson or somebody of that ilk, uh, somebody with that kind of power. He could, he could get caught. But if you let Zapata get into a rhythm, if you let him box and you just let him throw punches, you're not going to beat him. Nobody, I don't think there's anybody out there, Sergio, that can beat William Zapata by decision. Put it that way. I, I think he throws so many punches that if it gets to the scorecards, unless you pick up multiple knockdowns, unless you uh, do something special during that fight, he's going to win. So... I think that it's a long way of saying I question his chin a little bit, but his output is so ridiculous that he is going to be competitive against all the top guys. Um, I could see fighters winning by decision. I mean, the way you stop volume is by timing, by movement, by not by by clinching, by walking that opponent back. I mean, we've seen it uh, time and time again with aggressive power punches. You meet that one style matchup that just has your number. 
or not even your number, but was able to uh, extinguish that fire, you know, and 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 not let a, a fighter really get off those hundred punch combinations around. So you just need a fighter that can actually move, not let his opponent plant his feet, have a good jab, give the feints, and that hundred punch around goes to sixty and fifty, and that's when you got something. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see him in those big fights now that all the belts are available. Zapata is up there in the rankings and multiple sanctioning bodies. I'd love to see him in a world title fight uh, at some point in 2024. Sergio, I appreciate it, and I'm going to Venmo you. What is your Venmo account? Appreciate my buttocks, Mannix. I'm going to have my agent at CAA invoice you. You don't don't even talk to your agent at CAA anymore. You won't even tell him where you live. What, What? you don't have don't a venmo anybody account. you don't per- tell anybody i don't, I don't have venmo cash money baby cash money that's what i want forget the dinners and the bud lights i want cash money chris mannix and when we come back my conversation with mercito hesta there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rosito Hesta, 135-pound contender. And I do think you are a contender now, once again. <laughs> Former two-time title challenger, now on the road back to... Potentially another title challenge faces William Zapata, what I think is a really interesting fight uh, on September 16th at the Commerce Casino in Los Angeles. Uh, do you feel like a contender again? Because this has been kind of a really interesting year for you. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. You know, uh, based on my uh, what I showed last couple of fights, and you know, I'm working hard, especially working out with with Marvin. You know, I've I've, I've learned a lot. Um, the reason why I'm saying I've learned a lot because. Uh, as a professional fighter, yes, I do have 40 fights total professional, but that's just in professional. I don't have any amateur fights. So for me, I feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. My body still feel good. I feel great. And, um, you know, uh, from there, you know, I, I'm, I'm keep going forward. Mm. So talk to me about this year because it started with people talking about you as a tune-up fight for Ryan Garcia. Yes. And then... That doesn't come together, and all of a sudden you get the shot at Jojo Diaz, and you win that fight. Now here you are against Zapata. What kind of year has it been? You know, it's, it's a, you know sometimes it's it's ups and down because you know like like that Ryan Garcia fight. You know, my hope was was all all there, was all up, but you know, unfortunately the fight didn't happen. But you know, it is what it is. I need to keep going forward. I don't want to get stuck into just one. Uh, situation uh, as a fighter mentality you need to keep forward and and fight your way up mm-hmm. the, the Diaz fight certainly gave you a new lease on your career um, and I remember you know you came into that fight a pretty big underdog but I remember talking to you during the fighter meetings thinking wow this guy is really this is not what I expect this guy is really confident he's talking about changes 
that have happened in his career over the last six months to a year. And I, I believe him. Sometimes guys just say stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the things you were saying, uh, I believe. Did you feel like a, a kind of a renewed fighter going into the ring that night? I do. I do feel. I do feel. You know, uh, I think, you know, there's a couple of factors why. Because, first of all, all my team, my mom, my dad, which is, you know, my first trainer when I started this sport. Uh, they all have the support, especially with, uh, you know, my team and my, especially with my wife. And knowing that, you know, I had a, a baby, you know, it's just a different feeling. You know, it's like another motivation that you have a baby uh, uh, gives you more, you know, pop to, to get in there and, and fight hard. And, you know, the joy that just you feel, if you feel joyful in what you do you know you, you do great and that's why i'm confident and you know i know what i said and i i'm, I'm backing up by by the result of the fight when you lost your last fight i think a lot of people thought maybe that was going to be it for you did you think that you know what to be honest i thought i thought that's it you know i thought that's it but there's some factors too uh you know uh the reason you know maybe i don't feel good in that one of course uh, the main big factor which is i thought you'll be okay, uh, the, the, the diet, you know, uh, that's why right now my diet is really good because uh, from, that mo from that time, I thought after the weigh-in, I know I'm, I'm dehydrated, maybe if I just eat or, or be going back, uh, I'll be okay, but man, the diet is a big factor right now that we have the right nutrition, um, it, it's all good. You, you need to have all of that, not just skill, not just comp you know, the training, it needs to be complete diet, everything and of course you know you cannot do any uh you know bad habit like maybe drinking i don't drink i don't smoke and i it's not because i'm a fighter that's just how i live hmm. you lost that fight to rodriguez in 2019 you followed up with a draw against morales you didn't fight again until 2022 what was going on in your world at that time it is it's kind of frustrating you know um you know there's covid and after that you know, uh, when I had the fight uh, in India, I got food poisoning. It was just a lot of things, you know, kind of like bad things that happened. Um, but I do remember specifically that time that if I keep continue putting myself down and I'm, you know, this is too much, like, I won't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I stay positive and my wife got pregnant and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. I feel, I feel happy, I feel joy. And, you know, um, and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person that 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 is a uh, spiritual and 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 you know uh, and that praise God. So for me, that helps me a lot. And from there, I just continue. And I f I I had I have like a good spirit on me. So I continued while I can still do it while I still feel strong. Uh, I'm gonna move forward. And I'm like I said, I'm still learning because of like I said. 40 fights but that's just in professional um i want i don't want to stop i don't want to get stagnant i want to learn because style evolves you mentioned marvin marvin simodio uh one of the trainers here at wildcard working with him you feel like you've improved how, how did you link up with him and what specifically do you think you're better at because of him you know um well i've i've, I've known marvin a while ago you know because of of freddie he he was you know freddie's uh, assistant and i was working out with freddie and then, uh, and while I'm working out, Freddie, I just felt like you know, uh, I got I got a good connection with with Marvin. Not just because he's Filipino, I think his personality. You just need to find someone that fits in your personality, and then his personality fits on me. He understood me without saying a word. He, I understand him, so uh, everything fits. And from there, we move forward. And man, Marvin, Marvin knows knows everything. Like he <laughs> he he gets. You know, he learned from, from the world-famous trainer, uh, Fredo Roach, and I, I see that. And then from there, just the one thing that I like with Marvin is he doesn't change you. He let you do what you do best and, and refine it and fix it just enough to make it perfect. And that's what I love about Marvin. You know, I mentioned the Diaz fight, and it felt like you were going into that fight with your career on the line. Like, if you had lost that fight 34, 35 years old, it probably would have been over. Did you have that kind of mindset going in? That time, no. You know, like, all I'm thinking is just to do good in the fight, do, do my best. I don't want to think about negative stuff, and uh, I'm, I'm going to keep going forward, and, you know, 
I am, I'm just, I, I feel like I'm blessed. I, I work hard for that and I, I did it mm-hmm. and I'm, I, I made it. And you know, like you, you see in the fight, I have my, my baby in there. <laughs> that gives me more energy too, because like, oh yeah, my first, first time my baby, I know he won't remember this, but he's, yeah, he's <laughs> you show him the video it. someday. Yes, yes. So um, I was all pos- positive on that fight. How has fatherhood changed you? You know, it it changed. I mean, it, I'm still the same how how I am before, but it's more like right now it's like a a little bit more like positive thinking thinking. Because back then, when when I start boxing, is not really my my dream back then when I started. You know, I just wanna make my father proud. Mm-hmm. He wants. He loves combat sport. He was in a Muay Thai. Actually, I have a little bit of martial art uh, background uh, growing up, kickboxing, but it's not like a career. It's only like, you know, once in a while, if there's like a going on like fiesta. But, you know, when, when he says he loves boxing growing up, I want to show him that I can do it. And I do remember thinking my first fight, if I lost, I'm done. Second fight, if I lost, I'm done. Until I went all the way to ninth fight. I'm like, wow, I think I'm natural <laughs> in this fight, so in, in this sport. So from that point, um, I was just being positive. Like, you know what? I don't want to think about negative stuff. I'm going to continue, and uh, I'm going to be there. And that time, I even remember being a Philippine champion is enough, but I get the NBF, the WBO youth. I'm like, wow, I, I passed that. So from there, I just keep going, and I, I believe there's ups and downs, but... Hey, you know, I'm still here. I feel strong. When the when time comes that I don't, I feel like I can't do it anymore. Why not? I'm mm-hmm. I'm done. You're in Freddie Roach's gym, famous of course for Manny Pacquiao being here, the most famous Filipino fighter uh, of all time. Um, what was Pacquiao to you growing up? You know, a lot of us Filipinos, Filipino fighters, not even even not fighters. You know, <laughs> like you know, look up to him. How you know what what he accomplished, especially us as a fighter. You know, looking at him like. Because I know back then, if a fighter, a Filipino fighter, uh, had a chance to fight outside our, our, in the Philippines, outside the country, it don't matter to us if I lo- we lose. Because thinking, oh, I fought outside, yeah, I lost. But, you know, but because of Manny's you know, dedication and how he shows, like, we don't think that anymore. We think like, you know, I fought there, I'm going to win. <laughs> I don't want to think that about losing. So that gives us more also motivation that if he can do it, he's Filipino, he's worth the same you know, uh, 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 country, and we even speak the same dialect. So, <laughs> if you can do it, why can't we? Mm. Why, why can't us? So, and you know, I grew up in a poverty. Mm. You know, uh, maybe not as as hard as Pacquiao's life because you know my dad has a little bit of, you know, job as mm. a mixer jo- driver, but still enough enough for a day. But that gives me uh, uh, motivation to to help my family. You know, I I raise as to be to be a good good kid helping my family and that's how his Filipino is like being family oriented and because of that you know I, I, I made it all the way here now I'm thinking to teach that to my baby as well it's my kid my did kid. you get to work with him much over the years Pacquiao uh, I've, I've stayed in his place here in uh, uh, Palazzo here mm-hmm. in LA one time I, I run with him one time and a couple of times that was because I want to spar the best mm-hmm. you know Manny but there's a lot of times that you know, uh, we're supposed to spar already, but then he's already done, or <laughs> or he has already already sparring partner. But you know, it's, it was an honor for me, supposed to. But but I worked for them, just running, training, and stuff back then. Mm. But now I, I need to make my way, uh, my, my name. Uh, I don't want to be under his shadow, so that's why I moved to San Diego and work my way up from mm. there. It does seem like every Filipino fighter has a little bit of Pacquiao in them, a little bit of that style, whether it's the slashing left hands or something. Is that something that just kids, even yourself, kind of pick up on growing up? and Or is it something that comes naturally? Uh, I do admit, I know I was looking at Manny's style and thinking like, you know, if that, if that you know, works, then why not, you know, copy a little mm-hmm. bit and then I'm um, Southpaw, he's Southpaw. You know, and I think it works. You know, you just need to find someone. The reason why he's doing good because he's doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, but have a little bit of that. But you know, of course, I can't totally copy the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, I have my own style, and he has his own style. And but his his, his style is just man, tremendous. <laughs> it's crazy, like how how he just nonstop fast. He's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. You know. No, no question. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Zapata. 
uh, because I think this is a terrific fight. Um, you won the fight against JoJo because you outworked him. I think that's that's fair to say. You threw more punches. You landed more punches. Tough to do that against William Zapata. I mean, how different has the preparation been for this fight? Of course, a little. It's, it's different because of Zapata's uh, uh, style. Um, Marvin and I, we've been we've been really thinking and 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 practicing what what to do and what kind of punch and and how how do we uh, uh, stop him from doing his 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 combo of course it's going to be there but we are thinking to make him pay for all that because of because of all the offense that you have you're gonna be also be uh open for the counter so we've been practicing that just a little bit of 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 you know um switch and what kind of punch that works and then we've been doing that in sparring making that uh, uh practicing that and i, I did i did uh, work on that on sparring and, and, it ha- and uh, I feel like it's a little not it's natural to me so and if if I connect in the sparring you know what more in the, in, in the fight when it has a smaller gloves mm-hmm. so um, I just need to really stick to the game plan and 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 do what we've been practicing you've got a game plan and obviously yes. you don't want to reveal it to the public quite yeah. just yet but it does feel like to me and you kind of touched on this like you got to hurt this guy. You got to find a way at some point to hurt this guy. You are not known as a big puncher. Do you think you can hurt this guy? You know, when that pra- that, that training, that uh, technique that we've been practicing, if it hits, mm-hmm. it's not about how you hit hard. It's about how you can connect and surprise your opponent. That's the knockout punch right there. And when that hits, I believe I can hurt him. Mm-hmm. You've got you've had two cracks at a world title before. What would a third shot at a title mean to you? You know, like I said, a third. Uh, well, what was the word? Third charm. What third, was third, third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. <laughs> yes, yes. So I believe in that one. So um, and we've been working hard for that. And you know, maybe this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marcito, good luck on the 16th. It's going to be a terrific fight. I think you guys both are, are kind of right there on that cusp of, of world championship opportunities. Uh, looking forward to watching, man. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Marcito Hesta for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.